Well, good morning, All Shores. Oh, you can do better than that, man. Good morning, All Shores. That's much better. I'm so glad to get to be with you right here in Spring Lake, how beautiful it is outside. And uh, as you know, as Pastor Steve just said, that uh, he and I go way back. In fact, I know his wife, Sheila, I've known her since like elementary school. And uh, if you ever get the chance to have her sing Dancing Queen by ABBA, I'm telling you right now. It's a treat not to be missed. So Steve and I have known each other since about high school, I believe. We interned at a church in San Diego, and uh, that's kind of what we looked like back then. Uh Uh-huh, yep, check out that mullet. Long live the 80s, baby, all right? Yeah, can I get an amen on that, okay? So here's the thing. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to hear this, okay? God loves you. God loves you passionately. You know how I know? Because this morning, we're going to remember, as we, as we remember uh, communion together, we're going to remember what God did for you. Out of his great love for you, he gave his one and only son. You know why? Because he loves you deeply and passionately and intimately. And one of the significant relationships that God has given to us in order to see and experience that love that he has for us is the relationship of marriage. And and that's kind of what we talked about last night. We're going to talk about it this morning. But the message I want to give this morning, the message that I believe that God has for us this morning is not just a message for people who are married or who are going going to be married, but I believe this is a marriage for each and every one of us who have a significant relationship. Okay, so we're going to kind of aim it towards marriage, but every single one of us, I believe, will benefit from the message this morning. So before we go any farther, let's just take a moment and pray. Okay, God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your presence with us, God. You are amazing and awesome, and we love you, God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So for me, I, I, I'm kind of a, I can be kind of a weird person and I have kind of weird idiosyncrasies, but I love boxes, okay? I do, it's a weird thing. Anybody else love boxes? Anybody, anybody? I see that one hand in the back. We'll get counseling together, okay? I, I love boxes, it's a weird thing. You know why I love boxes? Because Presents come in boxes. Cool things come in boxes. One of the reasons why I love Amazon Prime because they deliver boxes to my door. It's like I just like to go onto Amazon Prime and order cheap stuff so that I can get things at my house, right? Because I love boxes. And Christmas, oh my goodness gracious, Christmas is God's gift to me, not just because Jesus came, but because there's a tree full of boxes. My wife has the gift. She loves to give gifts. I love to receive gifts. So it is mutually beneficial for us, okay? And, and it's funny because I remember when I was a kid growing up, uh, I grew up, I was a little kid in the late 60s, early 70s, and um, my family, we didn't have very much money. My mom was the eternal procrastinator, so every Christmas Eve, I would go to bed and there would literally be like three boxes underneath the tree. And every year I'd be like, wow, it's gonna be a thin Christmas this year. And I'd go to bed and my parents were super mean. I'm not kidding. They'd make me go to bed at like seven in the morning or seven at night, right? Seven at night, they'd make me go to bed. Of course, if you had known me when I was a little kid, you would have made me go to bed at seven as well. But they would make me go to bed. And so what do you do on Christmas Eve when you're like six years old, laying in bed at seven o'clock, I would just lay there just going, 
what time is it now? 7.01, what time is it now? 7.02, and I would just lay there and just, I'd stay awake, and so I'd finally fall asleep, and I'd sleep in as any kid does on Christmas Day. I'd sleep in all the way to 3.30 in the morning, and then I'd wake up, and I'd get my sister, and we'd run out to the Christmas tree, and it was like Santa's sleigh exploded in our living room. There's like boxes, wrapped boxes everywhere, and then we did what every little kid does, right, who has brothers and sisters. You start counting the presents, right? It's like one for Doug, one for Susan, one for Doug, one for Susan. And then we count all the boxes. And then what do you do when you're a little kid? You start picking up the boxes and what do you do with it? Shake it, right? You start shaking it because you're trying to figure out what's inside the box. And so that's what I'd start doing. I'd shake the boxes and I'd be like, oh, this might be it. This could be the one gift that I've been wanting so bad. Nope, that's underwear. Okay, and you know, you start going underneath the tree, looking, right? Because I love boxes. I do. I, I have a friend who owned a coffee shop in Holland here in Michigan. And uh, in his coffee shop, he had these uh, tea boxes. This is one of them, okay? And he had three of them sitting on his countertop. And I was like, wow, I literally am standing. And like, this is so cool. I mean, look, it has a hinge on it and, and it like, it closes. And I feel like Tommy Boy, right? It's so cool and I love it. Can I, can I have this? And he's like, yeah, take all three of them. And I'm like, woohoo! You know, he was like, Jesus came again, right? And so I had it and I love it because I can like put stuff in it. And I could close the lid and it is so awesome. I love boxes. There's just something really cool. About, and you guys are going, wow, he needs help, okay? But I do. I like boxes. Now, here's the thing for you and me to understand in today's culture and in today's society. The culture that you and I live in is continuously trying to jam us into a box. They're trying to box us in and close the lid. That's what Madison Avenue does. They create advertisements. They create dissatisfaction in your life with what you drive and what you wear. They influence your friends. They influence your family. They influence their neighbors. They, 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 they drive the toothpaste that you use. They drive the clothes that you wear. Everything to get you in that box and shut the lid on you. And I'm gonna tell you right now, that whole thing didn't start in New York. It didn't start in Los Angeles. It started in the very beginning of time with Satan. And Satan desires for you and for me spiritually. He tries to get you and me inside of a box and shut that lid on us so we will not experience the everlasting life that God desires for you to have and for you to enjoy. And that's what Satan does all the time. Even if we come to church and we experience a moment where we bust out of the box or we go to a women's conference or a men's retreat and we blow out of that box, Satan starts immediately trying to figure out ways to cause us to be dissatisfied with our life, to be prideful and envious of people who have things that we don't have, to, to, to do anything he can to get us back in that box so he can control us and ultimately drag us down with him. And nowhere is that more evident than in marriage and in relationships. But I'm going to tell you right now that that is not how you were created. And that is not what you were created for. God, you ready for this? God created you for freedom. 
Even though the world would tell you that God is the box with his big old books of do's and don'ts and these and thou's, and he's the one trying to keep you in the box. No, no, no. God desires for you to experience life. You know how I know? Because scripture says it. Check this out. In Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19, Jesus was uh, in the synagogue and he was teaching. He was handed the scrolls and he turns in the scrolls and this is what he reads. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You wanna talk about getting a cool drink of water. I mean, these people knew what it was to be oppressed. They knew what it meant to be enslaved because they lived under the thumb of the Roman Empire. Okay, and Jesus comes and says, no, that's not the life that God wants you to have. In fact, the apostle Paul said it this way. He said in Galatians chapter five, verse one, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Jesus himself gave us everything we needed to know about why he came to earth when he said this in John 10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And have it to the full. Say that with me, will you please? And have it to the full. Now you and I, we read that and we read that word full and we don't completely understand the implications of the Greek word there. So I'm gonna teach you the Greek word. And I know that some of you are going, whoa, 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 whoa. Way too early for Greek, Doug. No, you're gonna love it. This is gonna be awesome, okay? So the Greek word that Jesus, uh, it, that, that John translates into full, the Greek word there is hupo ek parasos. Hupo ek parasos. Say that with me. Hupo ek parasos. And this is what that word means. Now, I want you to imagine that I am thirsty, which I am. And I say to Pastor Steve, I say, Steve, can you get me uh, a drink of water? And because Steve loves Jesus, he goes and he gets me a glass of water. And you and I would look at that and we would say that that is a full glass of water, wouldn't we? In Greek, that would be parasos, okay? Now, did Jesus say, I have come that you may have life and have it to the Parasos. Is that what he said? Yes or no? No, he did not. I see a head shaking there. Okay. So now imagine that Steve is very generous with the water here at All Shores and he gives me this much water. Now you and I would look at that and we go, okay, now that for sure, that's full. That's a full glass of water. In Greek, that would be ekparasos. Now did Jesus say, I've come that they may have life and have it to the ekparasos? Is that what he said? No. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the hupo ek parasos. Now, my favorite part of this illustration is watching the ladies because they're going, hey, mister, who's going to clean that up, buddy? <laughs> and the guys are going, honey, it's not a big deal. You just do this and we're all good, right? All right. But seriously, this is what Jesus said. I've come that you may have life and have it 
to the full. And my favorite thing is that the ladies are going, stop it, we get it, we understand, okay? Just leave it alone. But that is the life that God wants you and me to have. He doesn't want us to have this. And some in our society would say, well, if you have it overflowing, you should give some back. But God said the way we give back is when our lives are overflowing on other people. And that's the life that I have come for you to have, overflowing an abundant life. And I would imagine that there are a lot of us here today who would say, that's the kind of life I want. That's the kind of life that I want. I want that overflowing life. I want that life filled with peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction and hope and love. And you're not alone. Jesus said, that's the life that I came for you to have. In fact, that is the life that God expects. You ready? God expects you to live. Because when you and I live that overflowing life, when we live that hupo ek parasos life, the world around us begins to take notice. And they say, hey, what's going on? How's that happening? What is it? How did you? And we go, hey, all I can tell you is Jesus. It's all I can tell you, it's Jesus. And nowhere is that more important, nowhere is that more important than in our marriages. That God created us in our marriages and in our relationships to experience the fullness of life so that we can understand the relationship that he desires to have with you and me. Because it wasn't a mistake. Anytime you look, I shared this last night, anytime you look in scripture, when you read, especially in the Old Testament, when God equates his relationship with us as people, it's almost always in the context of a marriage relationship. It is sacred to God because the two have come together as one and he wants that oneness to experience full overflowing life. So how do we do that? How do we get that kind of life? How do we get that overflowing full life? And how do we experience it in our marriages, in our relationships? Well, I'm glad you're here today. I'm gonna share with you the answer. And the answer that I'm gonna share with you is one word. I'm gonna make it easy for you. And that one word is the key to everything, to every problem, every situation. It is the key to experiencing the full life that you and I want. And it's, it's the key to experiencing the full relationship of marriage or, or, or parenting or whatever the case may be. And that one key is four letters. Do you wanna know what it is? Do you wanna know what it is? I can just close in prayer if you don't want to know. Okay, ready? Here it is. The key for you and me is prayer. It's prayer. The key to the fullness of life, that relationship that you desperately desire, the key is prayer. And I know some of you are going, that's it? That's it? Pray? Come on, monkey boy. Don't you got more than that? Where's the usher? I want my offering back, okay? No, listen to me. That key is prayer. When we pray with each other, and when we pray for each other, it is amazing what God does in our relationships. We can stand up to almost anything when we are united in prayer. Because there are two specific things that happen when we pray. Two specific things that happen when we pray. The first thing is that prayer leads to intimacy. Prayer leads to intimacy. Okay, it's amazing to me. There are two things for those of us who have been married. There are two things that lead to intimacy. One of them is physical and the other one is prayer. It's spiritual. 
And I'm telling you right now, I have no idea how God does it. I have no idea how it happens. All I know is that within the context of my marriage relationship, which my wife is here with me today, and we've been married for 29 years, that there is an intimacy within our relationship that happens when we pray together. I want you to picture it this way. I want you to picture that your relationship with your spouse and with God is a pyramid, okay? And, and so at this pyramid, your wife is at the top. No, wait, not your wife. God is at the top. Okay, sorry about that. Got a little confused there. God is at the top. I'm at one corner. My wife is at the other corner, okay? And the more, in fact, it looks like this. The more that we strive to grow closer to God, the more that we pray, the more that we move towards God, the closer we grow to each other. Do you see how that works? The more time and energy we put into our spiritual relationship with each other and with God, the more we pray, the closer we get to God and the closer we get to each other. Spiritual intimacy. I can tell you right now that when my wife and I pray together, it is virtually impossible for me to stay mad at her. And believe me, I have tried Okay, and the times that we, we grab hands together and we close our eyes and we pray, it is in that moment that God does amazing things, even though I may be praying through clenched teeth in the beginning, dear God, help her to see that I'm right, okay? In those moments, God reveals to me, nope, she's right, okay? And he, re quit nodding your heads, ladies, okay? And God reveals to me the beauty of the gift that he gave to me in her, intimacy happens when we pray. The second thing that happens when we pray to, together is that prayer leads to dependency. It leads to dependency. I depend on God and I depend on my wife. I depend on God and I depend on my wife. God, you ready for this? God created us to live in community. It goes against the ideals of, of our Western uh, upbringing here in the United States that we're an army of one, that we are rugged individualists who pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. That is not the way that God created us. He didn't create us to be rugged individuals. He created us to live in community together. That is why it's important that you come together here at All Shores. It's why it's important that you're involved in a small group. It's why it's important that you pray together because we depend on each other. I depend on that girl right there. I depend on her. And I can tell you right now that some of the most important times in my life are when she calls me up on the phone and she knows that I have a, I, I have a huge meeting coming up. And she calls me up and says, hey, I, I know you got this meeting. Let me just pray with you, okay? And she just prays for me right there on the phone. I depend on that. I depend on her in my relationship with God. And I know for some of us, that sounds like weakness. But I will stand before you right now and tell you, I am a weak man. I'm weak. I will stumble and fall at every opportunity. I will blow it if given the chance. And I need her. I need her in the same way that she needs me. We need each other. We need each other. And the beautiful thing is this, that we not only depend on each other, but we tip it, depend on God. In 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, God said this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, will humble themselves and pray, 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It all starts with prayer. For some of us this morning, maybe we need healing in that relationship. Maybe there's been some struggling going on within our marriage relationship and we need healing. Or maybe there's, maybe there's struggle in another relationship that you're dealing with right now and you don't know what to do. I can tell you right now, I know who does. God, God knows what to do. And he just says, if you will pray and seek my face, I will bring healing. I will bring healing. Jesus was quoting the prophet Isaiah and he said this, my house will be called a house of prayer. God said, my house will be called a house of prayer. A house of prayer, not a house of concerts, not a house of worship, not a house of potlucks, which is a bummer, but it is called a house of prayer. Hmm. Jim Cimbala is a pastor of a church in New York City, actually uh, in Brooklyn. It's called Brooklyn Tabernacle, and his church is famous for their Tuesday night prayer meetings. And Jim Cimbala wrote this book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. It's an old book, but I'm telling you right now, it was life-changing for me. Not very thick, it's about that thick and about this big. And if you were looking for a book to purchase cheaply and invest in your prayer life, invest in your relationships, I'd tell you to get that one. Fresh wind, fresh fire. And I remember seeing Jim Cimbala uh, on, a, on a, a video and he was talking about prayer and he made this comment that I've never forgotten. He said, what will differentiate us as Christians? What will differentiate us as Christians from the rest of the world is the aroma of prayer. Whew. That's good stuff, isn't it? What will differentiate us from the rest of the world is the aroma of prayer. And I got to thinking about that. What, what, what does that mean exactly? And it reminded me of when I was a little kid. I grew up in San Diego, California. And therefore, because I grew up in San Diego, California, I love citrus fruit. I love lemons. I love oranges. I love limes. I hate grapefruit because that's just straight from Satan, okay? Can I get an amen? Have you tasted it? All right. But I love citrus fruit. I love it. And my grandma and grandpa in La Mesa, a suburb of, of San Diego, they had a lemon tree. And my grandma would say to me when I was a little kid, she'd say, Dougie, and she's the only one that can call me that, okay? And she'd say, Dougie, run down below and pick some lemons and I'll make lemonade. And after the first time she said that, pretty much she'd get to Dougie, run down below and, and I'd already be out the door running down to pick lemonades because grandma made the greatest lemonade. Like she'd squeeze all these lemons in and then literally put in like a five pound bag of sugar, okay? I think she was just trying to get back at my parents. I don't know, okay? But she would make, and I would just drink, oh, it was so awesome. It was so, I love lemons. In fact, if you and I were to go out to lunch, and of course you'd be paying, we'd go out to lunch 
And I would, I, I would more than likely order water. And I usually order water with a lemon or with a lime. Anybody else do that? Put your hand up if you order with a lemon or a lime. Okay, good, good, good. All right. And so a lot of people, they'll order their water with the lemon or the lime because it makes them feel kind of cool, right? And it's kind of like it's, it's, it's tropical or whatever. And they'll leave their lemons sitting right on the edge of their glass and everything. I'm like, no, that's a complete waste of a lemon. I take the lemon and I'll do this. I'll just squeeze that juice in there because I want to taste it. Now, did you notice how I squeezed it in there? Did you? I didn't just willy-nilly squeeze it like this. I put my hand in front of it, right? Not to protect you from something shooting in your eye. I don't care about you that much, okay? But I, no, I'm just kidding. God loves you, okay? But I squeezed it because I knew that juice was going to fly out and I didn't want to waste it. I wanted it to hit my hand. And then almost 99% of the time after I squeeze it, I will take my hands and I'll do this. And then I'll do this. Oh man, that smells so good. It smells like California. It smells like home. If the sun had a smell, it would smell like this, okay? I love that smell. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but inside the peel of a lemon, there are little like oil oil sacks, I don't know what to call them, all right? Little oil corpuscles inside of the lemon peel. And here's the interesting thing, is that, is that when you take a lemon and you put pressure on it, it causes those little lemon sacks to burst. And the oil comes shooting out. In fact, you've probably done that before as a little kid that you took the lemon and you squeezed it like that. And you could literally see the oil shooting out, right? And so you put a little bit of pressure on it and those sacks begin to burst, shooting the oil onto your hand. And what do you get from the pressure on that lemon? You get the smell of lemon. You get that scent of lemon. And here's the thing for you and me as we think about this, as we think about what God has done for us, that, that we get that aroma from this lemon, this beautiful aroma. And, and in our lives, in our lives, when that pressure comes upon our lives, what is the aroma that comes off of your life? What is the aroma that comes off of your marriage when the pressure is on? Is it the aroma of prayer? Or is it the aroma of frustration? Is it the aroma of prayer? Or is it the aroma of anger? Is it the aroma of prayer? Or is it the aroma of bitterness? Because prayer is what will make or break our relationships. So when the pressure's on, what is the aroma that comes off of you and comes off of your marriage relationship and comes off of your relationships. So here's my challenge to you today as we wrap up. I would challenge you to spend the next 30 days in prayer with your spouse. 30 days praying with your spouse for those of you who maybe have a significant relationship that you would spend 30 days praying for that relationship. For those of you who are parents, 30 days praying every single day with your children. I'm gonna put, for those of you who are married, I'm gonna put the pressure on you men to say that you drive this. Scripture says you are the priest in your home. 
that you would be the one who picks up the baton and moves this forward. And they don't have to be long prayers. They can be short prayers, but to just simply say, God, thank you. Be with my spouse today. Bless them with your presence. Protect them, whatever it is, and just pray for them. 30 seconds. Just pray with them. And I will tell you right now, it is amazing what God will begin to do in your marriage and in your relationships. It is amazing the healing that will begin to happen. It is amazing the joy that you will begin to experience. It is amazing what God does and the aroma that will come off of that relationship. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for communion. The example of your love to us, that you were willing to do anything for this relationship that we would know you. And Father, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for how you have blessed me for 29 years. And I thank you for the prayers that she has prayed for me and the prayers that we have had together. And sometimes those prayers are what have gotten us through the hard times and the frustrating times and the anger times and the good times. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here today, God. I pray that they would understand that prayer is the greatest tool we have in our belt. It is the greatest weapon in our arsenal that protects our marriages, that protects our relationships, that brings us to that place that Jesus talked about, that we would have life and have it to the full. We begin to experience that hupo et parasos life and relationship when we are people who are committed to prayer. God, we thank you. We love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.